Welcome to the Bucket List Project podcast, a weekly show that talks about stories from my pursuit of nomadic lifestyle around the world, interviews with interesting people who I met in this journey, and a generous dose of thought-provoking conversations around travel as a lifestyle choice. If you love to listen on topics revolving around travel, then this will be your perfect companion for the ride to office, your morning jog, or in general when you are winding down for the day. Um, this is 2024, a new year, a new beginning. So we are coming back fresh uh, after a break at the end of December 2023. So we will have again new episodes releasing every Friday. So do share and subscribe to our podcast and get your weekly share of travel inspiration. Uh, picture this view out of the car window. The sun is bleeding gold over a crimson desert for, you know, Instagrammable sunsets or a constellation etched in midnight starry skies making you feel like a tiny speck. You know, welcome to the world of an overlander, somebody who embarks on a self-reliant overland travel adventure, typically in a rugged off-road capable vehicle and often camping in that same van along the entire journey. It's more than just a vacation actually. It's a lifestyle focused on exploration, independence and connecting with nature most importantly. Uh, there are some fascinating pop culture references that uh, capture the essence of this adventurous lifestyle. You know, you have had the motorcycle diaries, Into the Wild, and if you go a little apocalyptic, uh, even Mad Max Fury. You know, back in India, Swadesh uh, pops up as an example when we talk about caravan life specifically. Even the world-famous Burning Man uh, has very strong connect with overlanding. Uh, while seemingly worlds apart, they both the festival and uh, you know a caravan life they share a surprising connection in their embrace of adventure self discovery and challenging the societal norms while one thrives in a temporary city built on radical self exploration the the other seeks freedom in the boundless landscapes beyond the pavement uh, while all this sounds romantic it uh, the overlanding or a caravan life quickly gets too real when you decide to go down this path. Uh, it'll challenge your grit, resilience, adaptability in ways you cannot imagine. The unknowns can be very overwhelming. You will have to embrace minimalism, and more importantly, you will have to hone your survival skills. Um, today in our podcast, we are actually going to be talking about this and very specifically one very very interesting Indian couple who've been leading a caravan life or overlanding for the last three years and it started as a honeymoon trip for them imagine that and they've been doing it uh, for the last three years across 15 countries right from Canada all the way to the tip of Patagonia in South America they choose to do everything unconventionally. They build their own caravan, ground up, convert uh, two dogs into overlanders, pick one of the longest routes for their first ever journey, the Pan-American Highway. 
आई एम वेरी ईगर टू अंड्रावल देर लाइफ स्टोरी ऑफ मेनी चैलेंजेस ओवरकम द कनेक्शन मेड एंड द ट्रांसफॉर्मेटिव एक्सपीरियंस दे कैरी विद दैम लॉन्ग आफ्टर द इंजिन कूल स्टार्ट I am Srinath Shankar your host a party scuba instructor co-founder of Pickya Trail India's fastest growing leisure travel brand a digital nomad and a slow travel proponent in today's episode we have Karthik and Smriti the brown van life couple who are famously known in Instagram and parents of Bali and Everest their two dogs who are accompanying them in this journey Hello guys welcome to the show I'm quite excited to have you guys um on this podcast episode uh you know new year new beginning um so welcome on the show Thank you so much for having us Thank you this is our first podcast of 2024 so we're yeah, excited Yeah we're excited Oh super lovely So maybe let's start with the introductions shall we um you know I've I've seen the Instagram uh, you know highlight reel of uh, how you guys met or uh, the entire story but would love for you guys to kind of uh, make the introductions including your two dogs lovely dogs Oh yeah sure uh so my name is Smriti and I'm Kartik uh we are from india but we immigrated to canada for our higher education and uh, that's where we met in toronto uh while we were working through kartik's brother and then immediately we had a connection over travels um we three months into meeting each other we took a random road trip and realized that we have this connection over road trips and uh few years later i pitched the idea of uh Pan American Highway to Karthik and that was that he became obsessed <laughs> with the idea <laughs> and yeah yeah and our dogs Bali and Everest we got uh, Everest since the beginning of land life i mean he's he was kind of instrumental to this entire journey also uh, we knew we wanted to get a dog as soon as we got a van because it comes as a package yeah it was a package <laughs> plan for us we were like we get the van we get the dog we yeah. do this together and then uh, bali just came into our life in colombia one year ago yeah so we were traveling with two dogs and uh, we wouldn't do it any other way yeah it's the best oh super super uh, interestingly you know you called this uh, not a road trip but a van life uh, and uh, obviously our insta handle says uh, the brown van life so just curious to understand uh, you know uh, is that just a accidental connotation or uh, is there any uh, meaning to it like you want to break stereotypes uh, where you know ro- overlanding ju- it, it actually is a western concept so to speak uh, is there any genesis to this name or interesting story yes uh, we definitely have the brown for two purposes it is for the color of the van which is brown and the other is us you do not see brown people on this overlanding at least the pan american route we haven't come across a single yeah overlander overlanding like solo or couple or anyone who's from south asia or who's brown is purely europeans americans retired people um so there is a huge lack of desis or brown folks doing this uh, this journey uh so the brown van life is to represent mm-hmm. that but the way it came to us was very very spontaneous um we were just literally in the parking lot packing up to leave and all our friends had come in toronto to say bye to us and i was still struggling i was like okay my, like literally that day i was like oh my god i have to start this instagram account to document our journey so all our friends can see it 
it was never intended to be like a public account. It was more like, okay, I'll post everything on this account. All our friends can follow. And then my friend was standing there. She's like, you should just put, make the name like Brown Van Life. And in, she was saying because the van is brown. And I thought, oh my God, because we are brown. Right? Yeah. And then it just like, <laughs> it just worked out the timing of that. And we instantly created that username. And I'm so glad we did it because it has so, so much, such a bigger impact than just the color of yeah. the van. And I was going to add that the reason why we don't call this a road trip is because, I mean, van life, it's more of a lifestyle for us than a road trip. Like, yeah. we don't see it as a definite definite start or an end. We just see it as a lifestyle, so we call it the van life. This is our current lifestyle right now. We live in a van, and yeah. uh, that's how we want to lead our life at this point. Like, we're not chasing numbers in terms of countries or, or the road trips, so it's for sure... Right now, it's just a lifestyle it is um you know uh, young couples they dream of building houses together but uh, you guys built a camper van together very very different story uh so to speak uh and which technically is your home right now so you know some similarity also uh, why don't you talk a bit about you know the journey of uh, the how did you come about with the design the vision building it and who assumed what kind of roles because uh, I am assuming that uh, both of you had zero experience doing this before or uh, zero technical background or educational background also so would love to hear that story like how did the brown van come into existence. Again, uh, it was very uh, spontaneous. We saw this van parked in a farm. And uh, I don't know why, but it sounds so dramatic. But I saw this and I was like... Because that year, 2018, was the year we were actually looking into camper vans. But all the camper vans were like sprinters or these trucks that were way over our budget. And then we were just going camping one day. And on the way, we saw this van. And I told Karthik... I told him literally, I was like, Kartik, <laughs> this is going to be our, our this is going to take us uh, to our adventure. This is our adventure mobile. Trust me. I don't know why. I just felt it in my gut very like, strongly. Uh, and Love and at first sight. Yeah, pretty much love, love at first, at first sight. sight. It's just so, yeah. it was so unique. <laughs> I mean, if you look at this van, it's so unique. It's so vintage. And uh, yeah. like, we could not survive the two days of camping. We just, we were like, we met the owner. He said it's in a, it's, in, it's not even in a driving condition. It was just a metal shell. And we were like, okay, okay, maybe not. This is not for us. You know, it'll take so much work, so many years to fix this. So then we went camping. Yeah. And we couldn't do anything Yeah, I, but think about the van. So like, like I send him money instantly. We hiked. Even, even we without. Network. Yeah, we hiked to a network spot. Send him money instantly without even like. Trying really it seeing much of much to we it we didn't do a test drive also before no. we bought and it and then we told him to not sell it keep it holding and we'll come back and see it again after the camping trip and when we keep, went back we just sealed the deal and we're like we'll go pick it up the next week uh, we'll bring a tow truck we towed it out with the tow truck and we brought it back <laughs> home that's uh, nice. how it happened to us and um, I think we we were very realistic with the fact that this is a vintage van so we will be learning a lot and we will be, we will be struggling a lot so we went in with that mindset okay you know this time to teach ourselves and thanks to youtube and th thanks to internet um and we had some friends who were like professional like, carpenters and contractors so they they really helped ah, out so. yeah okay. they gave us some tips yeah. here and there also 
and uh, then we just started trial and error a lot of things were mistakes in the yeah. beginning we made a lot of mistakes you know we didn't know how to screw things or cut 90 degree angles in the wood and uh, a lot of mistakes were made in the beginning but it was just like okay ye kharab ho gaya we'll try it again you know there's no pressure we didn't put any pressure of perfection on ourselves because we are no professionals but we did everything plumbing electrical the carpentry work the mechanical works in the beginning yeah um, af- very quickly we realized that we're not going to we probably would not achieve that instagram worthy interiors <laughs> that you see on instagram and uh, we realized that we're going to do something realistic that we're going to build ourselves and be proud of yeah um so that's what we went for and uh, i think it was a great great summer and i mean yeah. i'll always remember that summer we just every single day morning to evening we just built a van how long how long was it we spent uh, march march to august almost march yeah like 4 months July, every day 5 6 months yeah 5 yeah. 6 months every day 10 hours a day we were just working in the van yeah yeah like literally we would just bring our laptops full time full time with the full time job so we'll bring our laptops in this van will be surrounded by tools and wood panels and everyone would be sitting in, in all those tools in the middle of tools and we didn't have a garage so we built everything in a parking lot of a home depot a random parking lot and then by the time we finished building like the employees of the home depot were like checking on us constantly yeah. how much progress we have made you know they were so invested in this uh, but uh, towards the end in august we realized that okay we are not going to reach a finish line anytime soon so we just built a bed somewhat functional kitchen and we left we left with like two boxes of tools bunch of plywood bunch of solar panel bhi nahi tha tab you know no solar panels no water pump nothing we just kind of just left because we were like okay if we chase this perfection we'll be here for one more year um so we left with a half built van mm-hmm. yeah, it's a long process i mean i guess the the moral of the story is that we didn't really wait for the the ideal van or the the perfect interiors to yeah. start the journey we we did we started it with what we could buy at that point and what we, we found achieve, yeah. the most uh fun to start a journey like this with and then uh we built whatever we could and uh we kept improvising on the road so just don't wait till everything is in place to start something that's never going to happen you just got to kick start uh that's very true great uh so you know uh you know you've given some idea in terms of how long it took what kind of effort it took uh can you also you know for audience uh, give some rough ballpark in terms of what it will kind of cost to build uh you know a camper van like you guys did it's very different i think in india the labor cost is so cheap uh i think the material is cheaper also we built it in canada yeah uh, i would say just like the wooden panels and the electricals the water pump water storage containers the fridge the initial setup would have cost us 10000 probably yeah 10000 dollars 10000 dollars yeah the initial initial yeah. basic setup cost us 10000 mm-hmm. and then we over the years we've spent like maybe mm. 3000 to rebuild the engine and then body work was 2000 to 3000 dollars so maybe like another like 5000 to 10000 dollars yeah. i think over the three years of the travel to just make improvements and mm. just so keep it sustaining you know you have spent on this yeah. for sure but i mean there's cheaper ways to do it too definitely and there's more expensive ways to do it also like yeah. camper vans can be 
million dollars such a wide yeah. range um, we just wanted to invest in the best and somebody has to buy off the shelf somebody if somebody wanting to oh. buy off the shelf off the shelf off the shelf definitely you're looking for something 50, at least 50000 dollars yeah 50000 dollar plus off the shelf meaning like from like a from like a dealership or like somebody second hand you can find second hand ones for like 25000 30000 also but, but yeah, yeah minimum 20000 is i would go, say minimum ready to go minimum brand new van with interiors and everything you can get it for 50000 dollars yeah like a modern one modernish yeah oh, okay all right hmm um you know you just mentioned in the beginning of uh, this podcast that you guys uh, went to canada for your higher education and all of that and it's also an interesting choice uh, that you guys made uh, to you know uh, start from canada and go all the way down south to south america so just curious to know like why did you choose this route and uh, and and uh, also like what kind of mental preparation you had to do when you chose this route especially when you have a van it's uh, humans to dogs you know overlanding across 15 countries like how did you take uh, and you saying that this is the first uh, overlanding long trip that you were taking directly taking the be- most difficult choice and doing it with the longest yeah, road longest in the- road in the world with uh, maximum complications not just transporting to humans but also to dogs like what what went in your mind how sane were you when you thinking or how insane were you when you thinking this i think uh, i think we wanted to live a very nomadic life that was very clear and the vision was to we will have a motor home and we'll travel the world in it and then from world we started to like see okay what would be a good itinerary to start with and because uh, pan american highway starts from alaska and mainly a lot of people started from canada so we're like okay we're already in canada then we read up on bunch of articles where people have done the pan american highway and the culture it crosses and people it crosses mm-hmm. and latin america in general for some reason felt like a familiar space because the culture and the people are very similar to like are brown folks you know they are not that different so there was that sense of similarity when we were trying to achieve like get into this it didn't feel that alien to us it felt very exciting and uh, we did just did a lot of reading of different people who have done this journey watched a lot of videos of people who have documented this journey and it just sounded so phenomenal to go from like chiapas in mexico to like you know the volcanoes in guatemala to patagonia patagonia area. to machu picchu like just the diversity of this route you know the things we could have seen was just is was sheer excitement yeah. that this road has everything we can possibly think of landscape culture people food festivals you know dias de muerte in mexico to sun festival in cusco like the range was so huge that we thought like in a route like uh, route to europe and stuff you would not you would not be able to find that kind of range in ter- terms of the sheer diversity so we just got super super hyped about it honestly yeah. and then i think also maybe we i don't know i'm thinking about it now maybe we didn't it didn't occur to us to start in europe or some other place because we would have to ship the van right and in the, the dogs, beginning yeah. and then i thought that i think we thought that 
we'll we'll have time to figure out the whole shipping process uh, yeah. once we get to Panama. So that's a long way away. So why not start traveling now? Yeah, I sh- think that was maybe that's true. That was in the back of our mind. Yeah. No, uh, I was just saying that this route, there are certain parts which is very unsafe also, right? So you that didn't scare you guys? Uh, not really, no. Because, I don't know, for some reason, fear was not a feeling that we ever had when we started this journey. We were never scared about anything. No, I I think we just... A, we knew that we didn't have, like, the flashiest van. Yeah. <laughs> right? That also helped to... And then we are, we're also like, like we're, we look very, we look a little Latino also. So that also helped. People thought that we're Brazilians yeah, <laughs> in a lot, a lot of, of places. People thought we were Brazilians. And, and then, um, I mean, we were already traveling quite a bit before doing this long travel. So I guess our hora- mind and horizon has expanded in terms of that. And we're a little adventurous. And, and, and kind of, we just want to believe that everybody's a nice person. Like yeah. more, there are more nice people than bad people out there. I so don't think we function with that that thought process at all. We're just not that kind of people. And um, Everest helps, you know. Everest is a great guard dog. So we knew Uncle Kuchpini, if nothing happens, you know, Everest will attack anybody who will come close to the van. Mm, yeah. We knew that, and that's been happening. Like now we have two guard dogs, and they like we can sleep peacefully at night in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And my dogs are the best guard dogs. <laughs> they will alert us in microseconds. They bark so yeah. loud that we don't. We nobody stands a chance. And we also always talk to locals to yeah. see, to like get gauge if it's safe or not. And if if a local says it's not safe, then yeah, we'll probably try to avoid it. Yeah, makes that I mean, kind of makes sense. Um, so uh, uh, you know, um, you guys obviously went to Canada for uh, higher studies you mentioned. So that means that you had an established uh, base in Canada before you could even start this. So that gives you access to certain things. Uh, so just curious to know if an Indian has to come from India, start this uh, journey that you guys started, is it is this going to be any different for them or uh, they can also have a similar journey like uh, in terms of paperwork, in terms of access to buying stuff, uh, like, how does that work? I think they can have an absolutely similar journey because because we did everything up until Peru with the Indian passport. The only thing that worked in our favor was our uh, American tourist visa. So that kind of removes almost like 12 countries for visa on arrival for you. So that's a big, big thing off your list. Buying process is very simple. And then... Uh, the import permit for the vehicle we have met two <coughs> desi boys who have done this journey on their motorbikes so they bought the motorbike in south america and then they drove it the pan american highway yeah. so you can do that what the, what you would do if you're from india you would just basically either fly to canada or fly to chile all these pe- people who are finishing pan american highway they're selling their cars like they want to get rid of their camper vans they yeah. don't want to ship chile is a good place chile to buy chile is a great place to buy vans. camper vans and then you just buy it here and then import permit you're given yeah. on on the border visas you're given on the border then you just navigate your life yeah. like a regular and uh, it's uh, the process is very well established in chile and canada ah. to like transfer the ownership and stuff okay. so it's not like it's, it's not, not compli- shady or complex yeah it's actually pretty simple and straightforward and you know they're travelers so they must have maintained the car well also yeah if they made it this far 
So I think it's very doable, yeah. We see a lot of travelers doing it. Um, they come here and look for cars. They just arrive here and buy the car here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, crossing borders, um, uh, like the paperwork, uh, is it like very intimidating? Or like, can you just throw some light, especially in terms of uh, paperwork? Visa is one part of it. The other parts of it is like crossing the border on a vehicle is a very different experience because uh, it involves a lot of paperwork, right? So just uh, outline in terms of what is that paperwork and how does that even operate? So I'll tell you what a typical border crossing day looks like. Um, you will first exit the country, get exit, exit stamps on your passport. Then you go cancel that import permit of your car from that country. You have to go to the same immigration office. He will cancel your import permit. Then you go to the office of the entering country. Say, for example, in our case, Argentina. Then in Argentina, you will get entrance visas, one one stamp each. Then they will issue you another import permit for, for the new country, which can take anywhere from 30 minutes to one hour. Uh, and for that, you only need your car registration paper and your driver's license and your passport. Nothing else you need. No insurance, nothing. Mm -hmm. A lot of countries don't even ask for insurance. You can you can buy it once you get that import permit, right? Yeah, certain countries have mandatory insurance, so they make you buy it right there. But they make it easy for you. Buy you it. don't have to go search for an agent or anything. You can buy it right there at the counter. Yeah. And a lot of the countries on this Pan-American journey, is insurance is not mandatory. It's on you if you want to go buy it externally. Yeah. We... I mean, it's we probably not the best advice, but yeah. we bought it in some countries and some countries we didn't because we just knew that even if something happens, the insurance is not going to do anything. We have to deal with it. The claimant, yeah. Outside, right? So. Yeah. And uh, what is the kind of uh, cost involved with respect to all of these import? Import permit doesn't cost anything, it's right? It's free of cost. Yeah. Oh, surprising. Import permits are free. Some countries have like maybe a $15 fees or $5, very minimal. Yeah, or a deposit which you get back. Like Mexico has a deposit which you will get back when you cancel your import permit. Yeah, so Mexico has a $200 mm. deposit. Yeah. Deposit they give you back and Colombia had a mm. import permit fee, I think that was the most expensive one, right? Mm. $15 Honestly, or $50? Honestly, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was like either free or like under $10. Yeah, yeah it was very cheap. Yeah. The very fact that you can't remember means that it's insignificant. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, insignificant. <laughs> and uh, then we have to do yeah. the dog work. Uh, so there's always a agriculture department at every border. We take the wet documents that were uh, issued to us in the exiting country. Every country you exit, you go to the vet, get the latest document saying my dog is vaccinated to these diseases. Um, diseases. And then you take it to mm. the agriculture department and then they let you enter the country so and all of these are uh, at the border itself or you'll have to run around so no 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 so in central america they were not organized i'll be honest central america our border crossings were very hectic like they would take us a whole day because the offices were all over the place so you go you go cancel your permit here you issue the new permit here you buy this here. so it was you i mean it's all in one like area but like you're walking around multiple buildings yeah so it would take us a full day but uh, since latin america like since south america um, it has been very, mm. very streamlined. There Organized. are literally counters, one, counter number one, two, three, four, and you just cross them and you follow all the steps and it's done within like two hours. 
less than that yeah yeah so to answer your question yeah it's intimidating in the beginning but you just know the process in the back of your head after like two countries two countries yeah and you just go through with it uh Uh, but uh, i'm assuming because this is a very well traversed uh, route and a lot of people crossing uh, over the border this might seem very organized but is it the case uh, when let's say for example you're doing from asia to europe or um, you're going via southeast asia because i've heard like southeast asia is like extremely uh, difficult to do all of this yeah we have heard the same from all the research we have done because pan american highway is like very streamlined 15 countries people go up and down all the time so there's a lot of land traffic of international people um europe is very streamlined but yes southeast asia if you want to do the stance um it is less streamlined but still people can get the visas and all the paperwork done in few hours within the same day and get going i've never heard of anyone uh, struggling more than a day at the border you know usually people finish it off within okay. a day and, and even with the vehicle paperwork visa is straightforward mm-hmm. obviously that's not not much of an issue now mm-hmm. especially southeast asia but the vehicle paperwork um um do you think that is easy? some countries are in advance yes like i know some countries there handful of countries that are more complicated than others we are still doing a research but i know like uh myanmar and like uh thing was cambodia some other countries where you have to do some paperwork and police clearance in advance um and just hang around for 3 4 days so there are few countries that are complicated but uh hmm. nothing like too too drastic that i've heard of except iran can get really complicated they give you their own local uh, local license plates and okay. stuff so they take off your they put a new license plate on top of your license plate because they don't want international car to be driving in the country china gives you a guide that has to be stuck with you for the whole duration you, like there's a human being with you the whole time so um there are these countries that can get complicated mm, yeah. that. so that's a um, that's a exciting chapter will be unfolding okay. <laughs> at some point um and um if you had to give a quick road map i know that you guys have been doing it for 3 and a half years but uh, somebody starting today if they want to do it for 3 months they want to do for 6 months 1 year which would be the best parts you would recommend of this highway to them if it's like 3 months 6 months and a longer period i know i'm putting you on a difficult spot but uh, for 3 months 3 months um the argentinian chile section yeah. is like perfect cuz like it's very streamlined the border crossing you're not going to waste days just crossing in and out of the borders and there's lots to do here yeah. in like 3 months like i mean the distance is huge but the roads are amazing that you can cover a lot of distance yeah right the roads i have not seen like this anywhere else yeah the roads are the simply the best we've come across here um, yeah that is true 6 s- months you can probably start in us and, and cross US into canada. mexico us to like canada or us and canada yeah US Canada Mexico you should do 6 months. Yeah, you can do that That's easily. That's a great itinerary. But yeah. anything else if you want to get into Central America or if you want to start from Colombia, you need a minimum one year. Otherwise you'll yeah. be too rushed and you won't be able to see things because these countries are huge and there's so much to drive, their driving distances a lot. You won't get to see a lot. So. Yeah. We've met travelers who've mm. done one month per country. and they've done all 15 countries but then that still takes you to like almost a year and a half year and a half even if you do yeah. one month and that's country. that's like really fast for 
lot of people to travel through. Okay, great. Um, you know, some some uh, idea around the entire economics of this lifestyle. How, like, how does how much does it cost you on a monthly basis? Because you have fuel to budget for. Uh, there are so many things that you have to budget for, right? Uh, including paperwork and fees. So, a rough idea in terms of how much does a lifestyle like this cost? Cost? I would say, like, if we average out, and we've talked to a lot of travelers about this also. Um, on average, you're looking at around hundred dollars per day for two people. Yeah. Um, it's a slightly more for us because we have two dogs also. And we have a more gas. And we car. and our car is not the most fuel efficient. Yeah. yeah. But hundred dollars a day is like very doable, and uh, this is not like budgeting too much by eating in every single day. You can still go out to have food. You can enjoy all the sceneries etc like you can pay for the tourist attractions because some countries are drastically cheaper and some countries are like drastically expensive so it's hard to say which months are going to be uh, really cost effective and which months are going to be expensive but if you average out i would say it's very uh, realistic to say hundred dollars a day for this kind of lifestyle yeah this means everything fuel internet phone food uh etc 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 like tourist attractions you can average it out to be 100 a day campsite fees yeah of course like countries like chile suddenly you're traveling latin america everything is cheap when you come to chile everything is rocket high prices or if you if you're in costa rica things will get really really expensive out of nowhere uh, mexico is affordable hmm. then us and canada are very expensive yeah so and then you sometimes you have months where like you're doing like the whole shipping process which can be expensive sometimes your van just keeps breaking so you have mechanic costs to deal with so um yeah it varies a lot i would say yeah but keeping a hundred dollar a day budget for two is people realistic is a good, yeah good budget okay yeah. interesting and uh given that you've been doing this long term um uh, you know a quick uh uh, overview on you guys have a remote job like how do you manage to fund this uh, you're working and doing this or you're just taking a break and doing this uh, how does that look like yeah so we have been working um, we are both freelance consultants oh, in our okay. respective fields I'm I'm an I'm an IT consultant and uh, we don't work for anybody specifically we work for ourselves and we we uh, managed to get clients along the way, which is also long-term projects. And then... Um, the thing is, we started working remote since 2018. We didn't start right, right, like start a remote job and jump straight into travel because we wanted to figure out how sustainable remote life will be for us. So we kind of lucked out in that sense, got it in 2018. And then we, when we were confident, okay, you know what? Even if we switch to a traveling nomadic life we can still sustain our existing contracts or existing clients and you know we can navigate this workflow that's when we we were like confident okay you know we've done this for a few years now we can do it any from anywhere Ah, so that i would suggest doing that yeah okay um so um now that you're doing working and doing this how does your routine look like because you need me to set aside time for work. Also, you have to drive from point A to point B. How do you manage all of that? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a lot of uh, like your day just gets consumed very fast in all dividing all these things. 
work, travel, dogs, border crossing, distance cover, photography, um, the, like seeing, seeing things. Yeah. It's it literally we don't realize when our day starts, when it ends, and uh, we just have a routine now at this point where we we have like we have set boundaries and priorities. It's not that like rigid, but we know that okay. Mornings are for work, you know. We will get all our client calls and meetings out of the way. Then, few things are priority: walking the dogs twice, morning and evening. We have to take them out for hikes. Um, then, e- cooking food is a big, big one for us. So we and because it's a camper van, cooking food, cleaning up, packing up everything back, it's a one-hour process minimum. And because we cook Indian food, so that needs like yeah. at least one hour food for us. Um, and we make sure we eat uh, eat indian yeah. food every single day e- at least one meal because that keeps you sane <laughs> you know it just keeps you grounded you have your ghar ka khana it makes you feel really good yeah. i can absolutely relate to that uh, you know while you know trying local food is great no. but if you don't have your comfort yeah. food long term it does yeah then you start then you start losing <laughs> your center then you start like okay i i i'm missing something so the food is a big big element for us um so yeah we prioritize eating one meal in the van walking the dogs twice work in the morning and uh, we have few rules around how much we want to drive in a day we never try to drive more than 3 hours a day M- never like because we know anything more than that in this van will feel exhausting because it's a vintage van the engine is in the front and it gets noisy sometimes so we do not push that limit and we do not drive past 6 7 pm so those are the rules we kind of follow and we keep the day very free flowing um anything else and but for a routine no i mean i guess the biggest advantage we have with work is that we don't really have a set schedule like i can easily jump in at like late night and do work yeah, and finish my deliverables um yeah. for the next day and just disappear for the entire day if i have to if i'm traveling right um that's kind of the flexibility we have with work which really helps where you don't have to be sucked into mm-hmm. the laptop during the day for the full day um expecting to answer emails and yeah the calls availability stuff, is not yeah. needed all the time that's one good thing with our work yeah you know being your own boss also helps that way uh i'm assuming because you can define your work and define the way that you want to work also but uh, do you m- miss uh, um, or uh, you know professionally do you think there are certain disadvantages that are there uh, being on the move and doing your work or you feel as productive as you would uh, working from a single place we feel more productive to be honest <laughs> because because you know at work environment i think both of us experience less productivity there's a lot of uh, time and energy consumed in meetings and small talks and processes and i feel like this freelance structure people they we are given a task we deliver it we are more efficient and also they're like they're <laughs> they're billing like we're billing on the hour so yeah. they're not wasting our time and we're not wasting their time yeah right um so it's yeah. it's definitely more efficient um disadvantages i i guess like there's no really promotions. there's no promotions there's no really job security per se like if the project gets cut we're cut we could be cut the next day also so that's uh, that's there but i mean we know that that's a risk that 
we have and um, mm. that's really the only way to kind of sustain long term travel you have to either save up a chunk of money like a lot of travelers do or um, work on the road which a lot of travelers do also okay interesting uh, and um, you know uh, the next question that i wanted to ask now that i saw one of your dogs also in the background is like what made you sign up to do this with everest and bali because uh, one and two i mean that's a, that's a huge uh, decision to make like what made you guys sign up for that i don't know uh, we i always knew that we will do this like this long term travel with the dog um first of all i think it's good to have that um it's a, it's an extra companion because it's just two people living in a box constantly right yeah. so the dog is a third almost the third person you know your your focus can get diverted to that and you can you can have different sort of engagement and you know different connection with the dog so it's like a this third um third or fourth in our case fourth person holding us together and uh, gives us a, such a good routine we knew that you know we'll be traveling all the time so there something we need some sort of routine and we knew a dog would bring a routine and structure to our day and safety safety was a big one also like for central america and a lot of places we knew that okay having a dog might work in our favor um just for safety perspective yeah and it's a great ice breaker also i mean local yeah. locals always approach us because of these dogs <laughs> yeah we and make a lot of friends yeah we're making friends on the road because of dogs um yeah i don't know man like i mean we are definitely like you have to be a dog person to do this journey with dogs if you're not it can get very tiring exhausting, and yeah. exhausting but uh, you say you're a morning bird right and you, i don't know if you have dogs but uh, we're morning birds by 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 force of nature of these dogs, like we're just woken up. We are not morning people, but we wake up every single day six thirty a.m. because our dogs wake us up by six thirty a.m. Yeah, and I guess that's good. It gives us like a start yeah. without an alarm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I can imagine you know starting from Canada with your dog, you've already had that relationship with that dog, and you feel familiar. <laughs> on the way pick, uh, taking the decision of uh, adding plus 1 uh, i definitely need to know that story <laughs> oh my god uh, bali was so spontaneous uh, we just found out uh, this uh, sh- shelter in colombia that had a baby and we were sh- like talking to someone they said they have a puppy left would you like to see this puppy you know it's looking for a home and the mother is not there it's just a puppy and we like uh i don't know if we can manage another dog and then somehow kartik just like texted this lady and got the information of the dog and he felt committed he's like no but i have asked about this dog now <laughs> you know this dog is expecting us to show up what if what if nobody picks us up it's our <laughs> responsibility so like a lot of emotional blackmail that no we've asked about her what like she's our responsibility now we didn't even see her and then then we are like you know what a lot of guilt tripping happened that we asked about her and nobody's going to get her she'll be abandoned and we are like okay you know what we have to get her home <laughs> so we got her and she's she's been a handful i'll be honest she's very different from our first dog absolute colombian crazy girl you know and um, but we love her she brings a lot of joy and 
activity in our life. So it's it's been good. Everest has got a companion. They we can leave them together in the van for long hours now. Earlier we would never leave Everest more than one hour alone in the van. If we were to go grocery shopping or go to a museum where he's not allowed, but now with Bali we can leave him alone in the van for a few more hours if we are going for a few more hours without them somewhere. Yeah, that was definitely one of the reasons. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And how sane are they? Uh, hyperactive, very calm dogs. Like how are they? How is their personality? Oh my God. Everest is very chill and calm. <laughs> Bali is absolute opposite end <laughs> of the spectrum. Everest is very well behaved. He, we say yes. We say sit. He sits. We say stop. He stops. Bali, she is. She is. a um, free independent girl she she doesn't listen to us you know the term lokita right lokita it means crazy <laughs> she's a lokita everybody calls her lokita <laughs> she's jumping all day eating all day so with her since we've gone we have to do multiple walks a day play sessions and constantly engaging her with toys like right now we're playing tug with her with one hand <laughs> to keep her calm during this podcast <laughs> look like she's literally just playing this toy nonstop <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, crazy, crazy. They're crazy. She's a crazy one. Mm, nice. You know, uh, it's so interesting that uh, the timing of this podcast, and then we have a um, you know Shahrukh Khan movie also releasing. While obviously that's a very different story, and you guys are doing all this with clean paperwork and doing it legally. Yeah. Still, are there any crazy border stories that you have had that you can kind of share, or crazy or funny or or scary, whatever? Oh, by the way, you talk about Shahrukh Khan. I want to tell you that the first time I, my the thought of van life ever came into my head was when I saw Swadesh, and I saw him rolling into his village with that ah. shiny camper van. I was like, oh my god, imagine if I can travel in my home and it'll be like this. I can sleep anywhere I want. I remember very, very clearly that was my first uh, dream of like the, when I envisioned this life for myself. Yeah. And in terms of crazy, the idea was seeded there. Yeah, the idea mm. was seeded there. Crazy border crossings. Um, I think the craziest was Mexico, right? Oh my God! Yeah, Mexico was very hectic. Uh, Mexico. What happened? We. So I don't know if you know, but Mexico. When you enter Baja, Mexico from mainland US, nobody checks anything. Mm. You can just drive in. They didn't even check our passport. They just waved <laughs> at us. They were like, "Go, go." So we are very confused. And this is our first like this is our first Latin border crossing, border like crossing. Lat- Latin crossing. So we are confused and we are like, okay, don't we have to give a stamp or something to validate that we have entered Mexico? They are like, no, 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 just go, 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 and they just rushed us. And the way the highway is designed, you can come in from one side and go exit from like one kilometer away. And there's no like or or otherwise you are driving in one-way traffic. And at one point when we enter, we realize that. Hey, we actually need this stamp to get to mainland Mexico because once we arrive in mainland Mexico, they're gonna look for the stamp. And it was, it was a disaster because we could not figure out how to get back in the line to enter Mexico and get that stamp because it's only one-way traffic. <laughs> and that at one point we were driving in opposite <laughs> side of the highway, um, in running traffic. All the cars were driving towards <laughs> us. And we're like, we have no choice. We have to do this because we need the stamp. So we're driving in a highway in the opposite direction of the whole traffic, and we could not do it. It became too scary. All the cars were honking at us. And in general, when we um, 
when we entered Mexico, we just had huge culture shock because Mexicali border is like a most underdeveloped and very unorganized, chaotic, and we have just come from U.S. and Canada, so that was our first culture shock also. And that that day, we both are like, "What are we doing with our life? <laughs> Why are we doing this?" You know, that was one of the most hectic border <laughs> crossings. And we still didn't get the document, and we got so fed up, we left the border without getting the document. And then yeah. figured it out three months later somehow with a lot of jugaad. Crazy. Uh, that sounds very intimidating. You know, yeah, your first uh, big border crossing, and uh, you know, the first step itself, we have so many hurdles. And between and really US and Mexico. Maybe existential questions. Yeah, and between US and Mexico, where there's yeah, already so much existential questions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Uh, and uh, like very quickly, you know, top three moments in your life in this entire road journey. If you had to like quickly, you know, run through your uh, memories and talk about it, yes, what are your like top three highlights? Top three highlights. Wow, top three highlights. Jesus, of course, reaching Ushuaia. <laughs> reaching Ushuaia is like the biggest highlight. <laughs> the fin, the finale moment. of the pan american journey is like Very a emotional. massive highlight what's your second one i don't know i think i was very overwhelmed um at uh, in antarctica yeah antarctica was very like i was i think i cried a bunch of times just looking at the glaciers uh, the icebergs and penguins and i'm like what is life we are actually seeing penguins um that was emotional and i think um uh, the erupting volcano in guatemala we we hiked to a volcan fuego and camped right in, in front of it and the whole night that is one uh. of the moments when i visualize it comes in my head 100% picture perfect yeah that erupting volcano in front of us all night and that ground under us shaking and thundering and vibration of the volcano eruption under our feet and you know that roaring sound of eruption all night makes you feel so like nothing you know you're like you are nothing this is if volcano can erupt and you'll die mother nature is so strong you just get this intense <laughs> respect for earth that how yeah. powerful the planet is you know so i think that was a very vivid memory apart from that we've had such beautiful stories of people helping us that is what we keep going back to you know a family in nicaragua that hosted us mexican family that went above and beyond to take care of us when we were sick and we had some accidents in mexico and families in colombia that have just invited us we've stayed with them uh, family that gave us keys to their house they were like just live in my house till you till you figure shit out so um, just a lot of kind people so those are the stories yeah you know, yeah i think this forms the base of why you want to do this also right uh, all the experiences So you know, you know, talking about future, uh, how does twenty four look like for you guys? Twenty four is about figuring it out, <laughs> <laughs> figuring out what we're doing next. I'm not sure actually. We are coming to India. That's what we know. That's the only plan that's set in stone yeah. right now. We we have never planned our life more than three months in advance. So yeah. right now in March we are coming to India to spend holy and um, spend time with family after ending Pan American Highway and then. next phase to figure out what will be a base and where we are buying this next camper van planting future seeds for next uh, adventure yeah that's what 24 will be for 
okay so your pan american this thing is going to come to an end um, by march is what you're saying yeah and then we we want to come back and maybe do brazil yeah. for four five months but actual pan american highway technically ends ah, okay. in ushuaia we'll just be traveling south america at that point yeah. when the pan american highway ends in ushuaia Mm-hmm. And uh, like how long do you intend to do uh, follow this lifestyle? Uh, is there a uh, you know uh, timeline that you have to this uh, you do you want to come back and live like uh, normal human beings or this is your new life? This is our normal. I think we will continue being normal in this this version of our life and uh, see the world till till we are absolutely fed up of seeing the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay so like your future uh, looks very similar to this is what you're saying like if you guys want to uh, be doing this for 2 years 3 years for forever you know you feel very comfortable with that thought yeah we definitely do yeah i think any other thought makes us more uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> going back to that normal life you're talking about is what makes us uncomfortable <laughs> uh nice and uh, like what does your family think about all of that um they've given you a free chit on this aspect or there are always nudges coming your way saying that hey what are you doing uh, existential questions passed on to you you know indian parents you know indian parents they they stay calm for a bit then they come back with their questions and then we calm them down then they come back so it's a It's a, it's, it's a cycle but they're definitely like much much more like understanding and accepting of our life choices now i mean i think for the past seen, few years i mean yeah, they've, they've seen yeah they've seen lot. that we have survived this yeah. we are very happy in our life we are constantly video calling them showing them new places and how excited we are for every little thing nope. and uh, we have not compromised on our career or financially struggled at all So these things that's all end of the day they need that we are safe and that we have been safe for the 3 and 1/2 years we've not experienced anything bad. So they they do have a faith on us in that sense that they don't have to worry about us if even if we take on a big adventure. Mm, nice. That that's very comforting. And in fact uh, uh, while thinking about your journey one of the biggest flex I could think of is that you guys could travel during covid because of this particular lifestyle. uh how big covid has been in terms of pushing you into this uh journey or uh, you think that irrespective of covid this was going to happen you know now that we look back 2020 was the year 2020 we got married and we knew once we get married we'll move into the van and start our married life will start in the van we knew that and then plan was to finish the van and start the pan american highway but once covid hit that's when we realized that there is no tomorrow you know we can't just keep pushing our dreams you know we can't be like okay we'll take 6 4 months to build this van that's why we left and with the unfinished van because the future looked like the future looked like it it wasn't there you know we didn't know what the future looked like and there was this urgency to achieve our dreams in the moment and i think that really pushed us right in a way like covid really helped us make this happen yeah we we're like real believers of doing something immediately rather yeah. than waiting for the perfect moment to do it yeah yeah i think it's better to action something right away if you have the feeling to do it and, and that's 
I mean, we've learned that over and over again that it's better to just go for it. Yeah, and COVID really pushed that feeling into us because it literally felt like everything was going to end. So we're like, you know what? Let's not wait. Let's just finish this and let's start right now. If it wasn't for COVID, I think we would have worked six more years on the van, six more months on the van, right? Holy, yeah. yeah. Or the winter, or the Canadian winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you just said six more years, six I was wondering what are you making rocket a rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, lovely. It's been a very, very interesting conversation, uh, especially a sneak peek into this lifestyle. We have had people, I've had people who've done, you know, who've spoken about backpacking, who've spoken about multiple other things in our podcast. But uh, this is a very, very different, somebody living in a van 24 bar 7 and picking that as a lifestyle is very interesting perspective. And in fact, for me, uh, there are very, uh, you know, good insights uh, uh, that I could pick. And I think... uh, um, the way that we are traveling maybe sometime we would also experiment uh, this kind of travel so i will definitely exchange notes with you uh, because i also love south america uh, as a country i feel it's like so dramatic uh, that's the right way to put it uh, so definitely you know i i know somebody who's done it so a lot of homework is saved for me and i can just exchange notes especially on that antarctica trip that you guys did uh, that also is something that uh, I'll exchange notes on because in my mind, it's always been the most expensive uh, uh, trip to go on. I didn't know, uh, you know, such hacks exist. So that also is a good, good takeaway for me. But, but yeah, uh, overall, a great conversation. Thanks a lot. I wish you guys, uh, you know, absolute best in terms of uh, experience. Yeah, no, same with us. Like we want to live live uh, stationary for a long while and then we will love to take some notes from you on living in indonesia because we really love would like to explore that super lovely and uh, have a great uh, you know trip back to india and uh, i'm assuming after a very long time you're meeting your folks uh, friends and family so i hope you have a great time there as well um, so I, I know that you guys are very big in terms of celebrating festivals so you're going to have a blast with uh, Holi, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, love yeah, festivals. Yeah. We're excited for that. Yeah. We'll definitely have a great time with festivals. Uh, super. Super. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank man. you for Thank having us. Thank you so much. That was such an exciting and fun conversation to have. Thank you, Srinas. This wraps up the episode of the Bucket List Project podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode and listening to Karthik and Smriti. Do you think overlanding is something you would want to give a shot? Well, I hope this podcast has given you a fair amount of details in terms of how to go about taking this decision with a lot of clarity. If you liked what you listened to, then do subscribe to our podcast, which is available both in Spotify and Apple. So see you next week and until then, have a great time.